Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. We've all heard that expression. We know what it means. As biological beings, you are what you eat. So choose wisely. Now, let's kick this up a few notches. Raise the stakes. What happens if we consider not only our physical self, but everything that makes you who you are? Body, mind, and spirit, emotions, and passions, beliefs and values, relationships, and experiences. What sort of food do your mind and your spirit consume, and what shape does it give you as a person? With what books, TV shows, music, ideas, relationships, and experiences are you nourished? What shape do they give you as a person? More around the hips? More in the shoulders? Or is it the heart and imagination that gets developed? Which emotions do you feed off of? Or perhaps do you feed? Someone raised in a racist subculture or an abusive family system stands a good chance of growing up to be racist or abusive. Why? Because that was the kind of soul food that was being served up every day. Food laced with fear and anger. Food that feeds a hardened heart. And if one, if one is raised in a subculture or family environment based more on love and affirmation, well, this is the soul food that one eats. I think we've all noticed that if, if, if you're frequently around people who view themselves as servants working for the common good of their neighbor and of all, that will have an effect on you. That's why families matter. It's why faith communities matter. When we consider who we are as human beings, is it any less true that you are what you eat? It is not less true. Call it the uppercase version of you are what you eat. The lowercase version addresses only the body. The biology. My brothers and I find it amusing that when my dad types anything out on his computer for us to read, which is a lot, or when he sends the rare email, everything is in uppercase. Probably unaware that the caps lock key on his computer has been on since 1995, he doesn't seem to notice. And yet, from another perspective, it kind of works. My dad is 96 years old. He's seen a lot. He's learned a lot. There's a dimension and depth to his life experience. So, okay, uppercase it is then. Works for me. 
You are what you eat, uppercase, with depth and dimension. That's what we're talking about today and in the weeks ahead. And this is the first in a five-part series based on the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. Brian has taken us through the first 15 verses of that, commonly called the Bread of Life passages. It is this move from lower to upper case, from considering bread that we need for lunch today to bread that feeds my emotions, mind, and spirit. It's that move in particular that the disciples and others did not grasp the first time around. Let's see if we can. Jesus had attracted a following because of his teaching and his healing abilities. One day, a large crowd of 5,000 people was gathered, and it was lunchtime. Jesus then asked Philip, one of the disciples, what they were going to do to feed all of these people. His question was an uppercase question, for he had in mind more than their bodily needs. Philip, predictably, heard this as a lowercase question and was, was stumped as to how they were going to come up with enough food. Well, they found a boy who had five barley loaves and two fish, but you know, good luck feeding everyone with that. huh? And yet, somehow it was enough in Jesus' hands. He asked everyone to sit. He took the boy's meager offering, gave thanks, and proceeded to feed everyone. There was even food left over. Now, Naturally, people perceived that something extraordinary had just occurred. They, like us, focused on the power that Jesus seemed to have to be able to produce food from next to nothing. Oh, he must be a prophet, they thought. This quickly led them to think that the power that Jesus demonstrated qualified him to be their king, someone who could do wonders with food shortages, whether politically imposed or famine-induced, and with their full stomachs, they could be rallied to fight their oppressors, the dreaded Romans. And they then sought to forcibly take him and make him king. But of course, Jesus had other plans, didn't he? So all the people at the impromptu luncheon had missed the point. Yes, he had performed a miracle, but a lower case one, they thought. He can conjure up food. That's pretty cool. But Jesus was firmly in uppercase mode here, and there were clues everywhere to that effect. You see, this was not just a miracle. Jesus had given them a sign, and there's a big difference. A miracle elicits a, gee whiz, how did he do that sort of response, a sign points to something that's far bigger than what just happened, far bigger than the food. True, it says that the people took his miracle as a sign that Jesus was a prophet, but like an inattentive baseball player, they missed the sign that Jesus sent, just as surely as the twins must have missed some signs last night. Jesus was no mere prophet. Jesus was not destined to be an earthly king. Whatever sign they picked up, they missed it. The feeding of the 5,000 was a sign that revealed who Jesus was. 
Two very important themes about Jesus' identity emerge here. Um, we're just going to briefly spend some time with those two, and then we'll be done. First of all, notice that Jesus tells his disciples to make the people sit down. Sounds kind of an aggressive comment, make them sit down. Followed by this comment. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down. Does that remind you of any other verses in the Bible? Possibly Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Aha, the 5,000 people are like sheep, and Jesus is the what? The good shepherd. And a good shepherd provides for his sheep in many ways. Provides abundantly. The apparent scarcity here matters not. Five barley loaves is scarce in quantity and in quality. No artisan bread here. Barley was a peasant bread, and yet there was more than enough for all. And as any hapless sheep knows, the Good Shepherd not only provides food, the Good Shepherd provides security, connection, a sense of peace. That is the only way sheep will relax enough to lie down where there's lots of grass, namely when they trust the shepherd. Trust the shepherd. The sign Jesus did here with the 5,000 was simply this. Jesus, the good shepherd, gives abundant life, a theme in the Gospel of John. Life here is more than biological organism. It's the experience of being grounded in security and intimacy and relationships, just as the relationship that the sheep have with the shepherd is the key to abundant life, so too is our relationship to Jesus the key to abundant life. All four Gospels have this story of the feeding of the 5,000, but only in John does Jesus himself distribute the bread. In the other Gospels, the disciples do it. It's all about Jesus. So in the midst of apparent scarcity, Jesus brings abundance. Well, let me, let's bring this uh, to, the, to the present. Where do you see scarcity in your life or in the world around you? Where do you conclude that abundance is not possible? It might be emotional scarcity and fatigue that leaves you shaky in your faith. It might be lack of options available to you and you wonder what your next step is. What does it mean for you to turn to your good shepherd and trust that abundant life is still yours, that your scarcity does not have the last word? He makes you lie down in green pastures. He restores your soul. What does it mean to look at the world around you and witness scarcity. Those who seem not to have opportunity or security or food. The many whose goodwill and compassion seem in short supply. The feeding of the 5,000 reminds us that not only was one person taken care of, all 5,000 were.
everyone had enough. What does it mean for us to be living signs that point to the God of abundance who clearly means for all to experience abundance? For all to have enough. This is not a God who seems content to feed 2,500 and let the other half go home empty. A story like this encourages trust in this shepherd called Jesus, and it is a summons to us as well to work for the abundance God seeks for his whole family. This is our witness. This is our pointing. And yet, what also becomes quite clear in this passage is that this is not even about any uh, of the things, any of the benefits that Jesus provides. It is about Jesus. All the good blessings Jesus shares, from the grass to sit on to the bread and fish to eat to the security of being gathered in a community, etc., etc. All these derive their power from the one who provides, Jesus. God's abundance for us comes to us through a relationship with that person, Jesus. Indeed, what we will see in the weeks ahead is that Jesus doesn't only give us bread. Jesus is the bread. He is the bread. That is the second theme about Jesus' identity I spoke about earlier, and we'll pursue that more in the weeks ahead. Sounds sacramental, no? As in Jesus taking bread and saying, this is my body broken for you. Curiously, the Gospel of John is the only gospel where Jesus does not have a last supper with the disciples. Why? Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is John's last supper of sorts, where we learn that Jesus is the bread of life. And so, the feeding of the 5,000 is far more than a miracle. It is a sign that reveals who Jesus is. He's the good shepherd who grounds us in abundant life through a relationship with him. He himself is the bread that feeds and sustains our whole self, uppercase, all the way. In closing, sometimes Christians are reluctant to talk about Jesus. We don't want to sound too Jesus-y because we get associated with certain kind of Christian. It sounds too exclusive. We're more comfortable talking about God in general, more abstractly. What the sixth chapter of John tells us unequivocally is that Jesus shows us who God is, and it is our relationship with Jesus that gives us life. Without Jesus, it's just lowercase. We'll see you in the weeks ahead as we explore bread of life a bit more. Amen.